Take your Bibles tonight, please turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 tonight. <clears throat> We're going to be in a lot of scripture, so have your Bibles ready to turn and uh, get your fingers all exercised, ready to go, all right? John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I had revisited my message from this morning from Revelation, and there was just one verse that I was using in there that kind of jumped out at me, and so the Lord began to work in my heart again. And so we're kind of going a different direction tonight than I planned, but uh, I want you to see something from the Scripture that helped me and convicted me at the same time. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Look what it says. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus. I'm just going to take a drink here. I'm going to read again. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he, and then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go unto Judea again. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, and Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. 
The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we do thank you for your word. And we ask that you'd bless your word tonight. You'd speak through it. That's why you gave us your word, to minister to our hearts and help us. So I pray that you do just that tonight. May the Spirit of God fill me. I need your help desperately. May the Spirit of God teach us, help us. We pray. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, you will, at verse 33. I read a lot of scripture tonight to bring you to one verse. I want you to notice verse 33. We're going to come back there in a few moments. But let's read it again together before we leave. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, listen to what it says next. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. You notice the Lord Jesus Christ loved Mary and Martha very much. And the Bible says very plainly that he loved Martha and Lazarus and their sister. It was something for Jesus to come to them quite regularly to fellowship with them and stay at their home in Bethany. Of course, it was Mary that washed the feet of Jesus with and anointed with oil and wiped them with her hair. It was Martha that was cumbered about much, but yet in, in that state of busyness, it was because she wanted to serve Jesus. There was a special relationship with these three. But Lazarus had died. And the Bible says that when Jesus finally came four days later, he saw Mary weeping at the tomb and the Jews also weeping which came with her. The Bible says this, he groaned in the spirit. We notice three responses to the weeping of Mary and the weeping of the Jews. The Bible says, first of all, he groaned in the spirit, number one. Number two, the Bible says he was troubled and then number three, we find in verse 35, Jesus wept. Three emotional responses. He groaned in the spirit. I don't know what that sounded like. I really don't know what kind of noise that made or what kind of uh, indication to the other people that he was hurting or grieving it might have cast upon them. I have no idea what that sounded like, but the Bible says he groaned in the spirit. Then the Bible says he also wept. And then the Bible says also he was troubled. I believe it was visibly troubled. There was some uh, uh, some, some problems in his body and in his face that expressed to them that, that Jesus was not pleased by what had happened. He was hurting for Mary and Martha and it was evident in his life for the Bible records it for us. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. Keep your finger in John chapter 11 and I want you to keep that phrase in your mind tonight. He groaned in the spirit. 
He groaned in the spirit. Acts chapter 20, turn there. We're going to jump around a little bit, and I'm going to need, this is going to kind of be a Bible study. I'm going to need your participation, all right? I, I know that that is difficult for some of you. If you take out a piece of paper right now and write amen on it, you can just hold it up so you don't have to say anything in church. How's that? Okay? Well, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But I want, I want to make sure that we're on the same page and we're going somewhere with this, all right? Acts chapter 20, and look at verse 16. Acts chapter 20, verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Understand that though Paul was saved, he still enjoyed the feasts. He said, well, why would he still be caught up in religion? He wasn't caught up in religion. He understood what the feast signified. He came back for the day of Pentecost. He was also another time. Paul mentions he wants to get back for the Passover. Why? Because the Passover celebrates the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And he was understanding that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And so Paul still had a desire to take part in some of these feasts as a symbol only. Now, verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus... And called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have uh, been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you, and have taught you publicly from house to house. By the way, if you want a 2020 vision, there's a good one right there Acts 2020. He went house to house preaching the gospel. Boy, that'd be a good model for us, wouldn't it? Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, listen to what he says, verse 22, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now let me ask you something, all right? Here's where I'm going to need you to hold up that piece of paper. In verse 22, he says this. Paul gives us an outline. He says, I've come from Miletus, and I'm going to Ephesus, and I've sailed here and there, and everywhere I've gone, I've preached the gospel house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greek, repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. It certainly was a mission of the gospel, preaching the word of God in the Holy Ghost. And now he says this in verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. What was the problem with Jerusalem? Two things. One, it was the headquarters of the Jews. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, all that wanted to kill Paul were in Jerusalem. You see, nothing has changed. Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem, and Peter said, Not so, Lord. He said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God. Because Peter knew that if Jesus went there, the Son of Man would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and he would die. That they were after his life. Jesus himself said, I can no longer walk in jewelry because of the threat of the Jews. And so there was a great fear in going to Jerusalem. And secondly... He knew that he'd be arrested by the Roman soldiers who were under the thumbs of the high priest in that day. Now listen, 
The Bible says that Paul went to Jerusalem for one reason. He was bound in the Spirit. Now, I believe the man is a trichotomy. I, I try not to use big words because I don't understand them always. But I understand try. It means three. We are three-part beings. All right? We are body. We are soul. We are spirit. All right? We are body. We are soul. We are spirit. All right? Part of that, the spirit is what interacts with God. Now, there are times where you might say something like this. I feel grieved in my spirit. Somebody ever said anything like that before? I need your help. Interact with me. We're going to be here all night. All right. You've said that? Um, how many of you have ever felt joy in your spirit? All right. So we, we sometimes use that phrase and talk about having a, a spirit within us that, that, that feels emotion. Right? You with me? Okay. Is that what Paul is saying here? Did Paul say, I just feel deep down in my spirit that I should go to Jerusalem? Is that what he says? No. Now, this is an important distinction. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't tell us because Paul kept his body under subjection. He says that. But I would dare say that if you were to say to Paul, Paul, how do you feel about this? He'd say, man, I probably shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, if I'm thinking about my spirit and what I desire and what's going on inside my heart emotionally, this, is, this isn't for me. They say, oh, come on, this is the Apostle Paul. Hey, even Jesus got down in the garden and said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. I'm not going to be led by my spirit. I want to be led by your spirit. You following me? All right. So would you agree with me then that when Paul says, I am bound in the spirit, he's not saying, it's my spirit that beckons unto me to go to Jerusalem, but instead the spirit of God is, I'm bound by him. And it is the spirit of God that says I must go to Jerusalem. Are we Okay. All right, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Now, let's look at another one. Galatians chapter 5. Look there. In Galatians chapter 5, we read much about the Spirit of God in Galatians chapter 5. Well, we're keeping our minds on John chapter 11, verse 33. He groaned in the Spirit. Now, let's go back here. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 16. Then, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, let's just stop right there. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, walk in the spirit that you fulfill not the lust of the flesh. How many of you there see two choices? You can walk in the spirit or you can walk in the flesh, fulfill its lusts. How many of you say that then therefore those two things are very different, right? They're at odds with one another. The Bible says the carnal mind or the fleshly mind, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. And so again, when he says, walk in the spirit, I don't think he's talking about his own spirit. He is not encouraging the church at Galatia to walk and follow after their own spirits. Am I right? Matter of fact, we've had that problem in the past. 
Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. They followed after their own lusts, and God had to destroy the earth by a flood. And so it is not wise for a man to follow after his own spirit. It's not wise to have wanderlust. It's not wise to chase after our own desires. He's saying this, walk in the spirit because it is vastly different and opposed to the works of the flesh. Now read on, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Now we haven't even read verse 17 till now, but you already said that a minute ago. We all agreed, or some of you that are holding up your white paper, you're all agreeing with me that yes, they're different. And the apostle says that for the flesh, lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, not of your spirit, but if you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. He gives a whole list, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of what? The Spirit, not your spirit. You know what the fruit of our lives is without God? Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. If you were left to your own, you know, you know what happened when man rejected God? The whole world fell apart. The whole world fell apart. But he says, if we will walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, uh, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. So we're establishing from the Scripture that there's a difference between your spirit, the spirit of man, and the Spirit of God. And when you read your Bible, you have to be very careful because there are times where the Bible talks about your spirit. It talks about other spirits too. The Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible says, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of of meekness. There's several different types of spirit in the Bible. Some of them come from the heart of man. But God is saying very specifically to us right now, I want you to focus on the ones that come from the spirit of God. Being led by his spirit, growing in his spirit, learning from his spirit. Now look at Ephesians chapter 6. We've got a couple more examples and we're going to go back to our verse. Ephesians chapter 6. We're just going to read a single verse here. Ephesians chapter 6. All right. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Here's the truth. A lot of times we pray in our spirit and not in the spirit. We pray from our heart 
and not in tune with the one that searches our hearts. Look at Romans chapter 8, and I'll show you what I mean. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, and my Bible has Spirit capitalized right there, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Listen, you say, oh, I, I know how to pray. The Apostle Paul says, I don't know how to pray. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Rome, and he says, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. Why? Because I don't know the will of God. I don't know exactly what path he wants to take me down. So when I pray, I have to allow the Spirit to make intercession. He helps us our infirmities because we know not what we should pray for as we up. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints. Listen to this. According to the will of God. You say, well, what do you mean? How do we pray out of our own spirit? Well, we pray those repetitious prayers. I used to have prayer meeting in Hamilton. I'd pray with a guy. Cody's going to perk up when I say this because he probably does the exact same thing. There was a guy that when he started the first two or three words of a phrase, I could pray the next two minutes for him. I knew exactly what he was going to say. If he was praying for a missionary, Lord bless our missionaries. And I knew what the next two minutes of his prayer was going to be, word for word, verbatim. And then he'd say, and, and Lord, I lift up my pastor. And then, uh, and then I could start praying under my lip, uh, build a hedge of protection around him and give him fruit for his ministry, for his mysteries indeed for thee. I could just repeat everything he said. You know where he was praying from? Just repetition. Praying from his head. Bible says we have to pray in the spirit. Now, do you see the difference? Did Paul tell them you ought to pray from your spirit? No. Why? Because we have infirmities. That just simply means we're weak. We don't know how to, how to pray. But when we pray in the spirit. Now, don't get all charismatic. That's not talking about praying in tongues. As some would have you believe. That's talking about submitting our will to the will of the Father. And I think Jesus gave us a great example when he was in the garden and said, not my will, but thine be done. God, what do you want? Some of the best praying you can do is listening to what God speaks to your heart. Now go back to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit. Now, I mentioned before, there was three emotional responses to the, the hurt and pain that Mary was feeling. One, he groaned in the spirit. Two, he was troubled. Three, Jesus wept. Verse 35. But I want to say to you tonight that only two of them were Jesus Christ the man. And that first one was from God himself. Because Jesus did not groan in his spirit. He groaned in the spirit. 
Now, what do you mean? We have seen from all the other scriptures, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. We've seen from all these other scriptures that when the words in the spirit appear, that's our connection to God. That's God working through a situation. When we pray, we're to pray in the spirit. We're to surrender ourselves to God completely. We're to allow his will to be accomplished in our lives. Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, but we all know for a fact that Paul the man would not go to Jerusalem and deliver himself up to be killed, but he was bound in the spirit of God. He was fulfilling God's will for life. He was surrendered completely to what God wanted for him. And so we come back to John chapter 11, and the Bible says that Jesus was troubled. Yes, that was uh, Jesus the man uh, grieving for his friends. The Bible says Jesus wept. That was Jesus the man grieving for his friends. But the Bible says he groaned in the spirit that was God the father channeling himself through his son saying Mary I love you I love you do you know what 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says that we all 1 Corinthians 4 was not written to the clergy it wasn't written to the apostles it was written to a carnal church of Corinth here's what it says We are stewards and ministers of God. What was Jesus doing here when he groaned in the Spirit? When the Spirit of God got into his heart and gave him a compassion and a pain and an angst for Mary, what was he doing? He was ministering to her. Mary, God loves you. I'm weeping for you. And I am troubled for you. But that little groan, whatever it sounded like, came from God himself. Because it was in the spirit. Think about that. Jesus was ministering. Listen, that that Holy Spirit is the connection to God. Do you know the day you got saved? Do you know what God put in you? His Holy Spirit. And it sealed you. It told the devil and all the spiritual world, he is my purchased possession. He belongs to me. He is washed in the blood of the lamb. And he is sealed under the day of redemption. Uh, what a wonderful thing to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. But, but here's the thing. Uh, when we have the Spirit of God in us, we have the ability to walk in the Spirit. And we have the ability to live in the Spirit. Verse 25 of Galatians chapter 5. Listen, uh, when we get in the Spirit, then we, and only then can we properly minister to somebody else. I want you to see that tonight. Here's what I've learned. There's a lot of times where somebody will come and knock on my door and say, Pastor, can I talk to you? Sure. And I've learned over the years now, if somebody calls me and says, hey, can we get together and talk this week? I'll say this, absolutely. Can you tell me what it's about so I can pray about it first? I don't need to know all the details. But just just tell me something that I can take to the Lord. Because here's what I've learned. They'll come into my office and they'll say, my wife ran out and she left me. What do I do? I don't know. You just told me. I haven't had time to pray. I haven't consulted the Lord. I don't know. And we're so quick to answer. You know what we're doing? We're doing it in the flesh. 
God says, no, I want you to minister in the Spirit. Years ago, I had that very thing happen. I had a fellow that was struggling, and he and his wife were having marriage troubles, and we were praying, and we were praying, and we were praying, and we were praying. And Mrs. Patterson passed away in the day of her funeral. I don't know why he chose that day. He brought me an envelope, and he says, here. He says, here's what he said. Don't open this till after the funeral. What do you think I'm going to do? I opened it. Of course. You don't, I mean, come on. Everybody, you're looking at me. All of you have done the same thing. You, you, you know it's true. And I opened it, and I walked around the corner in the church, and I opened this envelope, and I read it, and I busted out bawling. I, I, was, I was weeping. I sat on the stairs that went up to the, to the apartment, and I sat there, and I just wept, and I wept, and I wept. I don't know that I would have had that response if it was the first time I'd heard it. But because I was praying about it for so long and had been so brokenhearted over it and we'd been in their home over and over again trying to put a marriage back together that the Spirit of God, I believe, just groaned right through me. I said, what did you do? I went and I found him and I couldn't talk. All I did was give him a hug. I just grabbed him and I hugged him. He says, you read the letter. I said, yeah, I did. But that's all I could do. I didn't have words. Several years later, I went back for a funeral. And we went out to eat after. This, this same gentleman and a couple other friends. And we went off to eat and... He sat beside me at the table, and we, we began to talk. And he leaned in, and he says, do you remember that time? I said, yeah. He says, I'm, he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. He says, that hug meant more to me in that moment than anything you could have said. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you, I couldn't talk. That's all I could do. It wasn't, you've all been there, right? You've all been there. You get bad news from a child, a grandchild. Sometimes you, all you can do is just hug them. If we're going to properly minister to people, we have to be in the spirit. Because the flesh doesn't help anybody. I've got books and books of resources Somebody gave me a book a few years ago. I, I think we, we put it in the office. It's on the shelves in there, and it's, I believe we still have it. Maybe it's outdated, but it was, it's about this, but like a phone book. You know, remember phone books? When they used to be. And in that thing, are, it, all it is is resources. There must be 100 pages just for seniors where they can get whatever they need. Contacts for social workers. Children's aid is in there. I mean, just resource after resource where you can get help. Alcoholics Anonymous. It was just, it was just given out years ago for ministries to... Unfortunately, that's become our go-to. Oh, you've got a problem with alcohol. Well, let me, let me direct you over here to... Here's Alcoholics Anonymous. Here's Reformers Unanimous. Here's some other rehab program. Here's an answer. It's in a book, and it's... You know what God says... I want you to be a minister. I want you to be a minister. 
And I want you to minister in the spirit. I want you to be able, here's what it all comes down to. Do you know what Jesus did? He simply expressed God's love with a groan. I don't think Mary misinterpreted it. I think she knew at that very moment that God loved her. Because the man Christ Jesus was in the spirit. By the way, the man Christ Jesus was always in the spirit. Just in case you're you're doubting that. Some of the apostles, they struggled. They went in and out. They weren't always filled. Peter's cutting people's ears off. But he was always, always, always in the spirit. Let me give you one or two verses and we're done. John chapter 14, just forward a couple pages. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. You see, where do I get these magic powers? It's not magic. Jesus said when he left, I'm going to give you the Spirit of God. And he shall dwell with you, and he shall be in you, and he shall never leave you. You have him. It's just a matter of surrender. Allowing him to work through you to minister to others. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and we're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit. That kind of fixes it for us, doesn't it? What is, what is the spirit? Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now listen, here's our challenge. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, that's a mirror, speaking of a mirror, Beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's the point. The same Spirit that Jesus ministered to that lady, Mary, when he groaned in the Spirit, when he expressed the love of God toward her, through the Spirit of God, that same Spirit has Jesus has promised he would give to you. You have the Holy Spirit of God living within you if you know Jesus as your Savior tonight. Here's the other thing. By looking in the glass and seeing the glory of the Lord, we are supposed to be changed into that same image. So we look at Jesus ministering to Mary in the Spirit and we look at the glory of God. How many of you see, you see glory in that, that passage? If you don't see it there, wait two or three verses where he says, Lazarus, come forth. And here's the thing. He said the Spirit 
wants to change you into that very same thing. That you too might be a faithful minister of God. So I'm not called to be a minister. We're all called to be ministers. Ministers of God's grace. Ministers of the manifold mysteries of God. We're just to minister one to another. But we must do it in the Spirit. Because your flesh availeth nothing. You can give advice. If my car breaks down, I can go to Ray Vogel and say, what should I do? I can go to Frank and I say, Frank, help me fix this. And I do that all the time. But what do I do with devastating grief? What do I do with spiritual issues? I need to go to somebody that's in the spirit. Listen to this and I'm done. If you were to go down to the doctor's office tomorrow and your doctor has retired and you were to look at your new doctor and you'd say, well, what, how long have you been practicing? Well, this is my first day. That would be a little disconcerting, but you would hope that he's had the proper education and experience. They said, well, could you tell me where you've been the last few years? Where did you go to school? Well, actually, you see that certificate up on the wall? He says, I bought that off the back of a truck. And they printed that. Didn't they do a nice job printing that certificate? He says, they put doctor so-and-so on there. He said, it looks wonderful. He said, well, have you ever worked in this field before? Well, no, but I spent a lot of years working at McDonald's. I mean, we wouldn't have much confidence, would you? The same thing is true when you need help and you go to a minister that's not in the spirit. They might as well be working at McDonald's. They might as well be wasting their time printing their qualifications off at Staples on one of their photocopiers. But you find somebody that's in the spirit, then you found real help. And God can minister to you. That spirit is your connection to God. And you can be a help to others, and others can be a help to you. Are we not to bear one another's burdens? Are we not to? How, how many of you, when you're, when you're going in the operating room, by the way, Liz, Judy's going in the operating room this week. Pray for her. But I want you to know, she doesn't, she, she wants you to be praying in the spirit. Right? Somebody said this, how many of you know that a minor operation is only when somebody else is having it? When you're having it, it's major. I I want people praying for me that are in the spirit. Jesus ministered. You can minister, but you must be in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Help us, Lord, to minister one to another in the spirit of God. Advice can help somewhat, but for the real issues of life, we need spirit-filled men of God and women. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. Lord, just to submit ourselves to that very fact, to learn from Jesus who, yes, he had compassion and he ministered to them, but it was that groan in the spirit that told Mary that God loved her. Father, teach us tonight, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed.
Our eyes closed. The altar's open. If God has spoke to your heart, oh. You know, when people come to this church, they, they want real life answers. Can they find it in their peer group? Can they find it in your Sunday school class? Are you one to say, I'm going to walk in the spirit that I can be a minister of God, that I can help others, that I can express the love and compassion of Christ through the spirit of God. Brother Baker's going to sing a hymn of invitation. Would you pray tonight?